Okay, how's everyone doing today? We have a pretty interesting guest joining me for the Divi Crypto Podcast from a startup called Structure, Mr. Brian Hernandez, president and co-founder. Welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Nick. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, so just to give some context, Structure is a global financial platform that opens the door for mainstream investors to seamlessly participate in the DeFi and crypto markets without the traditional educational and financial barriers. This sounds like a really interesting product, but before we get to learn more about it, I'd love to learn a little bit more about you, Brian. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the space. Yeah, good question. Let's see. I, I grew up as uh, doing science, actually, not, not finance at all. Um, in 2013, I transitioned out of my career doing computational biology and cancer research, and I started working on a Bitcoin trading algorithm. And I started very early, um, so it took me some years to figure out what I was doing and you know how to make some money, um, algo trading, crypto. But uh, that grew into a you know proprietary trading company that was focused on systematic trades in the cryptocurrency markets. There's a lot of people who got their start in the industry this uh, this way because back in those early days, it was really quite easy to do arbitrage across exchanges since the market was so inefficient. Fast forwarding like six, seven years, when I met my co-founder, um, Brian Sun, he, he had spent you know his whole career in building similar systems um, in high frequency trading companies. And both of us uh, really like the the work of doing building proprietary trading systems. Like there's they're full of really interesting computer science problems. Uh, but the one downside is that your work never benefits really ever anybody else, right? It's proprietary is in the name. Uh, so we were both longing to build a product that ordinary people could benefit from. And, and so then we came together to start structure. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. Um, trading is, is somewhat isolating, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. Okay, cool. So tell us, Give me the elevator pitch about what structure is before we dive into the details. Yes, yeah. So you, the the brief dis description that you already had was was pretty accurate. I would I would just add a few more details. Structure was was born out of necessity and solving a lot of problems that that I myself and my co-founder uh, has had, like just managing our own personal portfolios. Um, and one of those early problems was that the investing like ecosystem or trading ecosystem is very fragmented and segregated, um, even for professionals. We're, we're you know, the, the topic of this podcast is about crypto stuff, but there's a whole big world of investable assets outside of crypto that a lot of people have allocations of their portfolio and stocks and ETFs and all kinds of things. From an investor's perspective, all of these things are just assets, whether we're talking crypto assets or stocks or other traditional financial assets. And there was no unified experience. Like if I wanted to go uh, trade some crypto, I might go to Coinbase or Binance or something like that. And then all of a sudden GameStop's going crazy and I can't, I, I need to move my money off of these exchanges and send it to a, you know, a different broker where I can get exposure to that. We get so used to just this being the status quo. This is the way that the, the world is that we forget that that's not the way it should be if, if, the, if our goals are to increase participation and make, make regular investors more successful in their investment uh, objectives. And so we spent a lot of time and hard work trying to figure out how can we bring as many different asset classes all under one roof so that that experience isn't fragmented in the way that it currently is today. 
And so in addition to getting access to the DeFi investment opportunities and the you know, trading of crypto, we're also bringing in stocks and ETFs and bonds and commodities and all types of other traditional financial products. Um, the way that we accomplish this is by tokenizing those assets that are not natively tokens. And that creates a level playing field for all assets to be treated similarly. And if you look at the some core characteristics of what a token is, there's two really important characteristics that are completely new that will change the the way that I believe people will behave with their assets. And one of them is they're they're fractional, they're natively fractionalizable, right? So I can send you 0.1 bitcoins. I don't have to send you always a whole one, right? right. Uh, and and I can send it directly to you in a peer-to-peer -peer transaction. This is the property of money. M money needs to have this property. Historically, that's only been currency. But when, with the invention of cryptocurrency, like there's more assets now, and we can we can imbue those properties to traditional financial assets via very basic tokenization uh, method. Something that would be familiar to anyone who understands how U.S. dollar stable coins work, which is you have the underlying asset and you, you hold it in trust and you mint a token that gives the person the, the rights to that and let people use the token instead. And our view is that this is a much more convenient form to own things in. And that's another one of the, the, the benefits that we're bringing with the structured platform. Yeah, that's that's cool. I think the portability obviously is is a huge aspect to uh, why cryptocurrency has gained so much popularity. We're also seeing huge influxes of retail investors into into the equities markets through some of the big apps. Uh, you know, some of which have come under fire over the past couple of years. How do you intend on handling um, sort of the regulatory landscape that uh, that exists not only within equities but the really sort of nebulous landscape that also exists within within crypto you know every country has their own laws they have their own regulations for the way that they deal with certain business activities um, there are some common themes overall uh, across the world like um, the obligation to know who your customer is the obligation to make sure that you're not facilitating financial crimes money laundering terrorist financing things like that uh, this uh, you know gives us very very strict bounds on the type of platform that we will or will not build um, and, and this decision we made very early on that we're not going to develop something that is purely anonymous uh, as we are seeing the development of some products out there and the, like decentralized exchanges and, and whatnot. Um, I think that the, the dust has not settled on the way that those platforms will be handled. Yeah, that, so that's, that's one way that we're dealing with regulations, obviously like behaving as a as a centralized financial institution that is in compliance and like a cooperating uh, business with all the governments that that uh, we're subject to, as it concerns other more specific types of regulations, such as I mean, data privacy is not really that interesting uh, in comparison to the way that securities are are handled. Now, the big problem with securities regulations is every country defines a security in a different way. And so you have to have a, <laughs> a completely different treatment uh, depending on where your customers are coming from. Uh, for our go-to-market strategy, we're, we're focused on countries where we think we'll provide the biggest improvement over the status quo financial services applications, which is actually more along the emerging market lines than it is the developed world. You know, Robinhood and Coinbase and stuff, this, this, this works in the United States. Coinbase works in a lot of countries, too. Um, but, you know, there's, there's way fewer good options for products like this in, in the rest of the world. And so 
uh, we're going to be focusing on those markets first. And then as we gain size and operational capacity, we'll be opening up in more developed markets where the the amount of work required to comply with the regulations is going to be higher. And we need to have like a bigger budget to, to, to deal with that. Yeah, I understand that. You guys kind of have a not a silver bullet, but a definite edge uh, that we were talking about offline. Oh, yeah. uh, from a regulatory perspective, can you can you speak to that a little bit? I know it's kind of early on. To, to yeah, talk. yeah, sure. So so we've been working on this for a long time, uh, but we've just uh, got the good news yesterday that we will be the second company in the, in history to be admitted to the um, the BVI fintech sandbox, which is oversight from the BVI regulator and endorsement to conduct our business, which is a a very important achievement for us because. Most businesses like ours that are very avant-garde, right? They're they're doing things that weren't contemplated by regulations, are usually not excluded from the laws around a lot of countries. But it's very difficult to get a government to say yes, you can do that. So people just operate with this ambiguity. And our philosophy has always been try and do right by you know the spirit of the regulations and 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 protect the the individual investor. But this is a this is a, a you know a categorical improvement over that, which is to to say that a, a regulator is looking over us uh, and has endorsed our business. So we're very very excited to work with them. That's awesome! Congratulations! That's that's a lot of validation <laughs> that a lot of companies don't have right now. Yeah, indeed. That's awesome. So let's get back into the the technology behind structure. Um, so obviously we know now these are basically synthetic assets, uh, which is really cool. Is this a custodial solution? Like, how are you actually managing the ownership of these variety of assets? Yeah, it is. It is custodial, and the the term synthetic, I think, is like could be defined because there are some important comparisons out there uh, where they're using the term synthetic in a different way. Um, so we think of them as like wrapped uh, assets, right? Tokens that are wrapped. Yeah. So to answer your question uh, about about custody, yes, it is a custodial platform. So when people open up an account, they they fund it with some crypto asset, and that comes into our wallets. Uh, and then when they're doing trading, if uh, if someone wants to buy a, an asset that's not natively a token like a stock, then we're going out and buying the real stock, and then we're creating that token and providing that to the user. Um, and then, you know, in in the reverse situation where they're selling it back and they're disposing of their position, we're selling the underlying and then like giving them the money from that from that transaction. And that makes sure that the price of the token, you know, will always track with the price of the underlying, which is the intent. Um, there's no fractional reserve going on. There's no derivatives there associated with that. Um, but yeah, that is the way the the, the platform operates. The, the way we interface with DeFi is by the tokenization of assets that were not natively tokened. So once you have a balance of say Apple stock, and you tokenize it on the Ethereum blockchain, now it's out there, right? You you just go go do with it just what you will with any other ERC twenty token, or maybe it's on the Solana blockchain. A whole world of opportunities opens up for you for if you're a sophisticated sort of DeFi person to take all this value that you otherwise had stored in a brokerage account where you couldn't do anything with it uh, now that you have it in a token form. So this this differs from Robinhood then because Robinhood is like a co- contract for deposits scenario, right? Whereas this is like a true one-to-one f- token for asset. Is that right? Uh, I don't know what you mean by contract for deposit. Like 
from my understanding, and I'm not an expert on Robinhood by any means, but from my understanding, Robinhood doesn't necessarily execute a trade every time somebody purchases a, a stock on their platform. They basically make a contract that, you know, should you want to execute on a on a withdrawal at that point, they'll you know they'll issue you the the value um, that that yeah. stock is at that moment. Uh, okay, so, so so that's known as warehousing order warehousing. flow, and okay. I. I don't know with authority that Robinhood is doing that. My understanding of what Robinhood's business was is they would take your order and then they would route it to a market maker. So okay. Citadel, Jump Trading, someone like this. That market maker would would basically be uh, the other side of the trade. And market makers definitely can run naked positions like that. Like they just have a, they're short to some, their counterparty. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Robinhood is doing that or they have the license to do that. It, it could be the case. It is permissible in certain situations. So that's that's all I can say about that. Okay, but you, that's not what you guys are doing. You guys are actually making the execution. No, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't warehouse any flow. Like okay. we're just taking your order, going to the market, and find, finding the best price for it, buying the thing, and then giving you the token for it. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that that was has been like a big concern with with how Robinhood operates for for a lot of users so that's that's a cool distinction um, but even outside of the trading thing you guys have something that i found really interesting which was the ability to transact value with the actual stocks and assets and things like that um, and even to be able to convert almost in real time between those assets so that you can basically uh, receive whatever the value in whatever asset you want. Can you explain how that feature works a little bit? Yeah, if, if, if all of a sudden all assets have the properties of money, then there, there's very little reason to keep any of your value in money, right? In currency, right? Right. It's not earning you anything. You're just losing it to inflation. <laughs> so what do what do most like very wealthy people do? They have the vast majority of their assets uh, invested into the stock market and other like invested investing assets uh, and then they just keep a little bit of currency around to pay for things or they'll borrow against their portfolio in order to uh, in order to pay for things but you don't need to do that anymore if if I can send you a fraction like a, a fraction of a you know a, a spy token that's you know that's that's what I own that's what I want to pay you in and you can receive that and be like oh I don't want to own any of the stock market I'm gonna eat this right into dogecoin right <laughs> you can just because the the the, the Trading is a you know first order priority on the platform. That's a trivial transaction for us, and you receive the asset that you want to own, and the person pays in the asset that they don't want to own anymore. And it's very very simple. But we've never had this ability in like human history before to like just transmute assets between a, a broad class. Uh, so I think it's gonna it's gonna take some time for it this to like sink into people's awareness, but it's gonna change the way people behave. I think in a big way. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, as, as an investor in either equities or crypto or whatever you're into on up days, you tend to act differently in your, in your day-to-day life. Right. <laughs> and when the prices go down, maybe you spend a little bit less or, or, <laughs> or act differently. Um, so this enables people to act in real time on those um, psychological behaviors. But my question, I guess, would be, how are you handling the liquidity? I mean, you could only really do this with high, high liquidity assets, right? Uh, so we we're aggregating liquidity from the market. So if we ha- if we offer a- an asset on the platform, it's because 
there is a source of liquidity where we can affect a, a buy or a sell for it. And yeah. the liquidity may not be good, but we can't create more liquidity for it ourselves. So you, you're not worse off than if you went to the market and did this by yourself. And you're probably better off because we're aggregating across a lot of different places and trying to find the best price. So I, I'm not sure if that was your question, but yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I think that's, you know, especially in DeFi, um, you know, having the transparency into the, like how much value is locked and how much liquidity is in those ecosystems helps a lot. Um, but there is, and then some of the, the DEXs aggregate as, as you know, now, so you're just like taking this a step further and aggregating across the traditional markets as well. And as you yeah, start wrapping them, the assets themselves. Yeah, for a crypto asset, like we can source liquidity from a DEX, we can source it from a market maker, we can source it from an exchange or other aggregators. And all this does is like this improves the price that the, the individual will, will get when they do the transaction. Yeah, this is a, that's a that's a long, the old, very old business of aggregating liquidity. Yeah, no, that's cool. Okay, so I have a question about the general market. Um, there's no right or wrong answer to this, but I'm just curious what your opinion is. Um, especially in the United States recently, we've had a lot of talk about regulation. Um, you know, Gary Gensler's out there trying to protect <laughs> everyone, so to speak, at least in his mind. Where do you see, you know, in the next three to five years, um, the regulatory landscape kind of settling? Well, I think it's going to be very diverse uh, across the world, right? We've seen obviously like night and day treatments from the out, like complete prohibition. Uh, of it in the case of China to the complete endorsement of it in the case of El Salvador, like you know, <laughs> plenty, of, plenty of other uh, countries. I think uh, the U.S. I don't I, I don't feel very optimistic about the, the U.S. and I think that the regulators are definitely um, operating in good faith to protect the public and to make sure that like the the orderliness of markets is maintained and that no one's getting exploited. And I believe in all these these. Uh, these purposes, the there's a big gap though between that intent and the way it's implemented. And uh, one of the issues that we're paying very close attention to is CBDCs, right? Central bank digital currencies. Um, and it's fascinating to see what the opinions of these various banks are are coming out with because it, 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 would, it would be easy to, to, to look at their proposals and think like, okay, okay, this is just like, you know, another iteration on what a digital currency is. But if you step back a second, we're, they're not, they're not digital currencies in the way that we know them from crypto, like from the development of cryptocurrency. These are, these are just completely different things. And the fact that they're advancing this agenda, I think is a, is a testament to how impactful the development of DeFi and crypto has been on the world that they that they're in a place where like we need to respond to this and it could be a big opportunity for for governments around the world. I, I particularly think it's a big opportunity for smaller governments uh, but the US has already dollarized the world for the most part and there's a lot of there are a lot of incumbents um, that would not be benefited by a true central bank digital currency um, very big, important players like the commercial banks, Visa, MasterCard, like their whole business, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue a year would be completely eliminated if you implemented a real central bank digital currency. Right. Completely goes out the window. That's not never going to happen in the U.S. You're, you're going to lose a lot of privacy in, in all this. So co Congress is never going to allow this to happen. It's just going to be a traffic jam for a while, which is really sad because other go governments are going to be able to move a lot more swiftly with this. Uh, but 
yeah, those are the, those are the things that seem likely in my opinion. Um, as it as it concerns other types of regulations, I think over the next few years, um, people are going to have a much clearer definition and understanding of the different types of business activities, and there's going to be a lot more clear guidance, which will be helpful for the uh, for the industry. One thing that I'm cognizant of, just as an entrepreneur, is that you know we, we want to be very careful, like as a society, not to make new entrants and like it, it'd be very difficult for new entrants to come to this space by making very onerous regulation, um, because that just ultimately reduces competition. And competition is one of the only protective forces we have in a capitalistic economy to make sure people aren't getting exploited. If there's only one big place that can actually operate under the government's, you know, endorsement, then they can get away with anything. Right. And we've, we've right. seen, we've seen this all, all over the place with, uh, you know, um, oligopolies in, in various industries. So I hope the regulators pay very close attention to like, uh, tiering the, the amount of requirements that they have for operating businesses, because it's going to really stifle innovation. Very well said. Very well said. I, I completely agree. <laughs> um, yeah, good take, man. Okay, so we've been talking to Brian Hernandez, the president and co-founder of Structure.Fi. It's open for early access now, is it not? Indeed it is. Yeah, we're in a, a private beta right now. So we have uh, uh, some people out there testing the app and kicking the tires and helping us identify some wrinkles that need to be ironed out before we go to a, a wider release. But if you know people are interested in, in in seeing it early, like by all means, go to the website and and, and drop their email in the in the sign up form, and we'll reach out. Um, hopefully, there well, no, not hopefully, definitely, <laughs> there will be a public release this year, probably in the mid midsummer timeline. Um, and at, at such a time, like pretty much anyone will be able to go to the App Store, or the the Play Store, and and, and download it. Cool. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out for structure.fi 24 seven trading of pretty much every asset and using your crypto, which is, which is really cool. Um, and of course getting that access to DeFi is, is becoming more and more popular. Um, so yeah, I love the project, man. Uh, listeners, you guys know where to find all the show notes to be project.org slash blog. Uh, we'll have all the links and everything for, for our listeners there, Brian. Um, but before we, before we sign off, let us know, you know, where we can find you online outside of just the website. If you have social medias or anything. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You can follow us on, on Twitter. There's structure underscore fi. Um, there's our blog that you can follow. There's our career site, um, careers.structure.fi. All this is linked from our homepage. Um, uh, there's a telegram announcement channel. Uh, we're, we're still like the, the discord is still private. So it's like invite only for these beta testers that'll be growing. And eventually we'll, we'll release that publicly as well. Actually, I want to do another plug that we're hiring like crazy. So please have a look at the career site and reach out to us because there's so much work to be done and there's so many good people in this space, uh, that we, you know, we'd love to, to grow the team. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a, that's a great great option opportunity for anybody out there looking for a new uh, new startup to join so cool man uh, brian hernandez president and co-founder of structure can't thank you enough for coming on the show listeners you know where to find us online at divi project across all the socials and we'll see you guys next time thanks a lot nick